A couple of years ago, I uh, took a few uh, of our guest speakers and preachers uh, who had come in from the U.S. to Batu Caves. And uh, I was trying to remember and, and reminisce on uh, what were some of the scenes I saw uh, in Batu Caves. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted to highlight and bring up with you this evening is uh, 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 I saw this huge tank, uh, you know, this huge tank-looking offering box that was placed before this huge idol. And I was told that that is the Lord Murugan, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I was also told that people would come during Taipusam and whenever they visit the temple, uh, this huge uh, offering box that's there, uh, people will throw their offerings in there. But not only will they throw their offerings, uh, but they also would throw gold and silver uh, and you know all of these things that have, that have some form of value. And as you move up the stairs, you would find different offering boxes in different parts of the, of, of the, of that, uh, uh, of the Batu Caves. And I thought it was very interesting because here we have people who give to an idol, who somehow believe that by doing so, they can somehow show appreciation, gratitude, and thankfulness and this is why they do it they say that because through that they have protection safety victory and so on and so forth and so in their minds they are convinced and i can tell you beloved they are convinced you can try to tell them this is not true this is not logical that this is an idol an idol the bible says doesn't speak an idol the bible says has eyes but cannot see has ears but cannot hear has mouth but cannot speak and we know that an idol is a dead thing but to their conviction or to their understanding per se they are convinced that somehow by doing so they are clearing their conscience for their benefit. And so whether there comes a blessing from doing that, they cannot answer you. The story that we're going to read this evening in the Bible, in Mark chapter 12, is a story about a widow. A widow with two mites. And the temple on that day had two mites more because of a widow that gave. I want you to picture that with me. The temple on that day had two mites more. Right? If this widow wasn't there, if this widow hadn't given, if this widow had said, I, I need to buy you know, something for myself, there would have been a less there would have been less of two mites but because of her doing and because of her giving there were two mites more and therefore i titled the sermon two mites more the story that we are going to read here narrates the action of a woman that brought her offering to the temple and we are going to see how her offering got jesus's 
attention. I want you to go to Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. As we go there, we're going to spend some time in that passage tonight. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Now, you have to believe that there were other places for Jesus to sit at. But He purposely, for whatever reason, He saw. He didn't just sit there. He snooped. He looked. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. There's an interesting statement Jesus makes. I say to you in verses 43, more than all those who have given to the treasury. Now, interestingly, this passage begins by describing to us where Jesus sat. The Bible says He sat by the treasury. He was within close proximity to the treasury, which tells me that God was interested to see how both the rich and the poor handled money. Listen to me very carefully. You see, we live in a nation that we often like to say, Padawang. I had a landlord that I, 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 we stayed in his house uh, when we came to take the church. He would call me up every once in a while and said, he used to call me Gary, and he used to say, you know what? I, I, can, I, can I request for you to move out because I need money? And so I would talk to him. His name was Andy. I would say, Andy, I mean, you can't do this to us. We have a contract. The contract lasts for two years. If you want us to move out, you give us, and you give us the notice two months before and we will make the necessary arrangement. But his reason and excuse was always no money. But he was doing very well. He owned electrical shops. He was doing fantastic. He was a successful sales manager. He had, I mean, he had money. He lived in a beautiful home and, and all of that. But to his preview, you see, most people say they don't have money because they have not reached the 2 million mark or the 3 million mark. So let's get that thought out of our heads because it's not about the rich or the poor here. Because we will tell ourselves, oh, that's all I can give. We will self-surface it, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But Jesus derives, and He downloads information about people, not only through what they give, but more so what they have left over. That's why He makes the statement, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasure. Jesus knew that her two mites was all she had. But Jesus knew that the, the man that who came with the denarius and threw in the denarius had multiple amount of denarius left at home that he wasn't willing to give to God. 
Now, that is not to say that God expects us to give it all away, but it is a simple understanding that we derive from this, that God judges us oftentimes by what we leave behind. The condition of our heart. It is the state of our heart. And the temple offering in those days was given to cover the cost of running the temple. They brought various types of offering. They brought animal offerings. They brought sheep offerings. They brought all kinds of peace offerings. And they believed, people in those days believed that God was present amongst them in the most holy place of the temple. So that's why they brought an offering. An offering was presented as a form of worship to God. An offering was presented as a form of giving thanks to God. An offering was presented as a show of commitment to God. This is why you hear me keep challenging the church. Don't give your offering one lump sum. Pray and ask God what He wants you to give in every service. Oh, you offended me, Pastor. No, no, beloved. There's something about an offering. We have to participate in the service. We have to get involved in the service. We have to commit ourselves that this is where I'm in service. It's a worship. It's an offering. I bring it every service because it is my worship to God. And so here you find it is a form of worshipping God. It is a form of giving thanks to God. It's a form of showing commitment to God. And though these are reasons behind the widow's giving, yet her spirit of generosity must require faith, especially since she was poor. For a woman of her circumstances... It would be rare for her to part with all she had. She's a poor widow. No husband to look after her. Listen very carefully. A poor widow. She doesn't have anyone to fall back on. And given her circumstances, it will be a rare thing for her to part with all she had. Yet, she did it. Because why? Listen carefully, listen carefully to me because she had a revelation. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. What revelation did she have? Number one, she understood it all belongs to God. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 14. The Bible says, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God also the earth with all that is in it. She understood this. Why would a woman who is a widow, who has no money, who has little to even spare for herself, give all she had? Because she understood it all belonged to God. She saw her giving as a worship. She saw her giving as a form of thankfulness. She saw her giving as a commitment to God. She saw it and she committed to that and she understood that it all belongs to God. Whether little or whether much, whether you're a millionaire or you're a pauper, can I say to you, it all belongs to God. You see, it doesn't matter now. We're not talking about how much money you have. That is not the question. We're dealing with a spirit right here because we know that we can have so much and yet unwilling to give more. It's the condition of the heart. 
The second thing I think she understood, what would drive a woman to give the way she did, is because she understood that God is her provider. God is the supplier. Can I tell you, when you look at a pipe, in the bathroom, you have a tap. You can, un, you can unwind the tap, you can take it, you can put it here, and you can turn on the tap, and nothing's going to come out. Because the water that flows from the tap comes from a source. And everything that you and I have has been provided to us by God. And so nothing, I'm sorry, but nothing belongs to you. Nothing belongs to me. And so she understood that even though it's only two cents, and even though it's only two uh, 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 mites, yet it is necessary that I bring something to God because it is a form of worship. God is the provider. Philippians chapter 4 verses 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Your generosity is going to reveal who you believe is your provider. The third thing that I think she engaged in is she understood generosity in commitment. It was a responsibility right here. And that itself, beloved, she understood that gener she had a revelation of generosity. She had an understanding of generosity. This was a revelation. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to her. She caught a revelation of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11, While you are enriched in everything, for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. See, her revelation concerning giving had nothing to do with the amount, but the heart behind her action. Jesus knew what she had given was her best of her best. Not just based on her evaluation. She didn't come and tell God or tell Jesus, Oh, this is all I have. You want to look at my bank account? No, Jesus knew already. Jesus knows that, you know what, this, <laughs> you, you have nothing left. You have given it all, and I know you have done it all. You have done your very best. And in His omnipresence, in His omnipotence, Jesus knew. The two more mites in the temple spoke of a woman who was present in God's presence. It was those two mites that made the difference. Is our offering to God, very sincere question here, is our offering to God seasoned with generosity? Pastor, what, what would you account, or what would you assume as generous? Only you can answer that question. Is our offering to God seasoned with liberality? Do we have a revelation that God owns it all? Do we have a revelation that God is the provider? Do we have a revelation of generosity? I've lived this life long enough to tell you every time I release, 
God pulls back in. It has always been our testimony. We have given, we have given, we have given, we have given. And God has always unceasingly pulled back into our lives. One way or another, we have seen that to be true. So let's talk about sacrificial giving here. Because what gains God's attention is sacrificial giving. You see, giving can become so mundane. It becomes so routine. It becomes so, you know, uh, 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 just, you know, like a, like, a, like a calisthenic, a routine calisthenic. We just come, we know already, okay, I'm just going to throw in my 15 ringgit. I'm going to throw in my 10 ringgit. I'm going to throw in my... But I'm here to tell you right here, listen very carefully. God speaks in offerings. And you need to start asking God, what do you want me to give God? You've got to set a budget. That's what my wife and I do. Every week, every service, Tuesday night, we pre-recorded the service, but I gave into that offering when we watched the service on Tuesday night. Can I tell you something? God watches. God watches. God watches, and I think He takes it so personally, and I'll tell you why in a moment. You, you, you and I must come to that realization that He takes it so personally because the Bible tells us here that she gave out of her poverty. Out of her poverty. She put in all she had, in verses 44, out of her poverty. This is such an unconventional, radical command that Jesus passes. Can I tell you, most people who are poor, most people who are not so well-to-do, live hand to mouth. You know what's the first thing they want to do? They cut back on giving into God's kingdom. They excuse themselves. They justify their lack of... I don't have enough. They justify their disobedience towards giving. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 8, verses 2, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. In their poverty, in their lack, where in the Bible do we find that when we don't have enough, we take care of ourselves first? We make the mistake thinking that somehow, you know, I don't have enough, so I need to put food on my table first. Can I be very honest with you, beloved? The temple, the church is God's bride. And when people don't have concern or care for God's bride, I can tell you as I stand here, stories about people, one job failure to another job failure, one mess up to another mess up, one blow up to another blow up, all because they don't put God's kingdom first. It's true. But on the other hand, I have seen people who honor God every service, Every time they get paid, the first place they honor is the kingdom of God. No arguments, no, you know, God, you know what, I, I'm going to keep this aside, I'm going to invest. No, they do right with it and I can assuredly tell you, they gain God's attention and God blesses them. That's why, beloved, people keep making mistakes with money. They invest in things. God says, don't do it and they don't hear, they can't get it, they just don't get it. They do stuff that somehow the devil takes it away from them. Because the devourer 
blinds you. And that's it, it's gone. And I declare to you right here, you can, you can look all through Scripture, she never retreated, but all through Scripture, God always challenges us to advance forward and always challenges us to faith. You see, her action gained Jesus' attention. Because she refused to retreat, she stepped forward. It indicated her trust and her faith in God. She was no doubt a woman of faith. Two mites. Two copper coins. This is what I have in my hand. That's all she gave. That's all she gave. And it moved God. You know what two mites will buy you in, back in those days? Two mites were six minutes of wage. Two mites equals to a quadrant. Two mites was so low value as, a, as in, in, in coins that the Bible even says that the sparrows were, that were so inexpensive, you couldn't even afford with two mites. Luke chapter 12 verse 6 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? You want to know two copper coins equals to 16 of this. 16 of the coins. She threw in two. She couldn't even buy a sparrow for herself. And not one of them, the Bible says, is forgotten by for God. In essence, this evening, her faith moved Jesus. She refused to trust how far those two mites could take her. She chose to trust God. Her action spoke louder than words. Her care and responsibility for the temple surpassed her own rationale and logic. As believers, Giving is not so much about the money. You know, there are times I wish I can tell people the truth. They sit down and they talk to you. They say, Pastor, what's wrong with me? I wish I could tell them, Bro, you just need to tithe. You keep the money in your account. You know what? That's exactly where the problem exists. You can't protect it. It's God who protects it. You don't obey and God begins to allow the devourer. The Bible says it's a curse. It's a curse. Fight all you want. Stress yourself out. Work yourself out. Sleepless nights. Simply because you just don't want to catch a revelation about money. Giving is not so much about the money. Giving reveals the heart. God measures how much we treasure His kingdom by our giving. Can I say that again? God measures how much we value his kingdom by our giving matthew chapter 6 verses 21 where your treasure is there your heart will be also see gaining god's attention this evening as i bring this to a close must somehow be the greatest desire we have as believers do you desire to gain god's attention do you desire for god to look down from heaven and say wow what you just did you know, do you desire 
for that to happen? Do you desire for God to do the miraculous? Beloved, can I tell you what men can do is only but limited, but what God can do is the supernatural. I can stand here and tell you, even just last two months ago, we, we, you know, I, we looked into the bank account. We don't even know this person. Transferred money into the account. Who in the world? Not, not even attending church. We don't even, it's, it's a name of no clue. How does God do that? You want to know miracles that God can do with money? I can stand here and testify to you how many times God has looked at how many conferences I've gone for, how many times we've taken. You know, the renovation is an example. How much we gave towards that. There are people, beloved, you are doing so well, but you will never give more to God's kingdom. What's wrong? It's not about the money. It's the heart. And God simply looks and says, you know what, I can bless you so much more, but because you're so stingy, I'm going to leave you with that. I, I, God saw this woman's generosity and He was moved by that. This woman's heart was in the kingdom. How do we know? Because we know through her generosity. Do you know, beloved? Every month, we have commitments. My rental goes in on the first of every month. Never later, on the first of every month. My car, my children's school, Whatever payment that I need to make on the first day of every month, it goes out. On the first day of every month. I do not neglect that. Because it represents stewardship. It shows God how you manage your money. Because God, if you trust me with this, you can trust me with more. But you see, some people just don't treat money that way. Suka suka, they want to give, they give. Suka suka, they want to do, they do. They suka suka, they want to transfer, they transfer. Suka suka. I tell you, if the church function with suka suka, we won't be able to survive. You suka suka want to give, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Oh, I don't want to give. I give on Friday. I give on Thursday. That's why the participation is so vital. That's why the participation, so we all do it together. So it helps us measure and maintain and watch. The commitment is there, beloved. A businessman was troubled about an upcoming important deal for his company. So he went to church to pray for God to help him. Isn't that when they show up in church? I need God. People are going to get upset with me tonight, but anyway. By chance, he knelt down to a man who was praying for $100 to pay an urgent debt. When he overheard the poor man's prayer, the businessman took out his wallet and pressed the $100 into the other man's hand. Overjoyed, the man got up and left the church. The businessman then closed his eyes and prayed, Now, Lord, I have your undivided attention. He gave the money to the guy who needed money. 
And now he said, God, I have your attention. How many know you don't get God's attention by that? You, you, just because you, 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 know, you, you somehow think that I'm going to solve this problem and solve that problem, God's going to give me. No, let me tell you something. What does God's attention imply? Number one, when we look at this passage, the Bible says a poor widow came and threw in too much. What does his, what does his attention imply? Number one, God will protect. In other words, because God gave this woman his attention, God saw what she did. You know what that does, beloved? It invites God's protection upon a person's life. In other words, in personal and financially, God begins to protect. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, 19-20, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal god would protect you personally and financially that's exactly what the bible when she got his attention it meant god would protect her the second thing that God does is not only will He protect her, but He will provide for her. That is what it means to have God's attention. In 1 Kings chapter 17, 21-23, And He stretched Himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother and Elijah said, See, your son lives. You know what triggered this miracle? Her giving. She gave when there was a need. And when she needed a miracle, God answered her prayer. God provided for her. God moved for her. God did a miracle for her. Can I tell you, beloved, there are two faucets to this. Number one, sometimes we come to God after the effect of whatever happens, our child falls sick, we fall sick, and we, you know, and then we turn to God, we say, God, I want you to help me. And, and God does show grace. Right? God does show grace. But can I tell you something? If you do right, sometimes God just protects you from it even happening. Because you got his attention. God provides. Miraculously, you've heard me share testimonies and stories with you. People in this church have shared. And I can tell you, I can, can I be very, very, very honest with you? Everyone who has a financial testimony has one thing in common. I'm going to go ahead and tell. If you're listening online, so be it. Listen, they are tithers. Point blank. Every person who I've seen and I've heard who have seen God move in the supernatural are faithful in tithing. They don't hold the money back. The moment they get it, it's so simple. The first place you honor God with is His house. Say, you know what, God? The moment I get paid, the moment I get this deal, the moment... 
I can't leave it in Maybank or Public Bank or UOB. They can't bless. Can I tell you something? They will charge you pathetic. They'll give you pathetic interest. God's kingdom, the Bible says, where rot and moss cannot destroy. And God does that kind of miracle which money cannot buy. And you know how many people play games with God like that? Oh, I'll just, when I feel like doing it, I do it lah. No discipline with money. I love preaching about money. So, so you got to understand. Whatever I'm saying tonight, you know, it, it comes from my heart, but it's, it's just something I love preaching on. The third thing that I would say that, this, that God began to do, what happens when you get God's attention? God will prosper you. When you have God on your side, when God sees, wow, what did you just do? You gave that, you sacrificed that. And giving is not just money, right? Sometimes it's our time. Many faucets to giving. And God says in Luke chapter 12, 21, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And so tonight, it is possible, beloved. It is possible to find yourself in a place where you're not prospering with God. Your relationship with God is, as they say, you, you know what I mean, right? Just, you pray, you never hear God. You read, you don't hear God. You just never, because... because you don't even want to honor God with your finances. Who do you honor first when you get increase? Your credit card? Visa? Master? Your housing loan? Or Jesus? See, that's a choice we have to make. My wife and I have come to the conclusion because we have done right with money, in material of what the seasons hold. My wife made a statement to me today. She said, you know what? We have to learn to trust the process. Sometimes God does things. We don't understand why He does it. But you know what we know? Even in our most trying times, we have never cut back. We have always supported our mother church. We have always tied back and said, you know what, God, you have blessed us. A tenth of all we receive goes back to our mother church. We have done all that we need to do. We have honored God, conference in and conference out. And I believe that is the, re that is the reason and the result why we keep seeing God prosper and bless people in this church. It is the tithers who keep getting increased. But the ones who don't seem to honor God are the whiners. Not enough lah. Why God not helping me? Why God not answering? How about you learn to tithe? How about you learn to take dominion over your money? How about you learn to trust God with your money? You can't handle money yourself and think, I can protect it. Oh, I'm making a wise decision. You know, tithers, there's something about God honoring tithe that God protects them. The widow gave not because she could, but because she wanted to. See, the temple is very personal to God. Have you heard the term if anybody touches you, they touch the apple of God's eye. 
right? We always quote that, right? Oh, I'm a Christian, you know, how dare you cheat me? I'm like, that's the apple of God's eye. We, 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 you know, can I tell you something? You touch God's house, you cheat His house, God will get you back. You can argue, beloved, all you want. Oh, I can give my tithe here, I can do this, I can... Don't, 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 don't. Don't run it with me because the truth of the matter is you are robbing God. And I can tell you from my experience all my years, it never goes down well for people. I've learned it's very personal with God. That you know what? When you touch the apple of His eyes, when you touch, and I'm not saying, listen very carefully, I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this when you touch and you begin to gamble with the man of God and you gamble with the house of God and you gamble with the things of God you delay and you say God will understand God will get you because what gets God's attention is faith and what annoys God is the lack of it is the choice the free will to say I don't want to do right and I can tell you beloved This is why so many people never prosper in life. They keep going in one mess to another mess to another mess to another mess because they have not taken personal interest in the things of God. They work so hard. They got two, three jobs. They're trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to, you know, stay up at night, cannot sleep, must work, must do this, must do that. But you look at them, they are so pathetic. Nothing seems to work. But you have people who honor God people who honour Him with their finances, people who honour Him with their time, people who honour Him with their resources. And you know what God does? God just expends for them. That's a supernatural blessing that happens. And let's close with that because it is only our God who is able to multiply and increase from what we release. That's the truth. Let me give you some examples tonight. You see, let me make a statement to you before I go ahead and give you examples. What you keep is all you have. What you give, God multiplies. You give God a sad offering, and, and I'm not talking about the amount. Remember, I'm not talking about it. You can only well afford one ringgit and praise God for that offering. You can only afford maybe 50 cents. There are times you cannot even afford to give. Completely, God knows. We're not talking about the amount. We're talking about the condition of the heart. And this is where you must understand that what you keep is all you have. You can try protecting it, in building funds around it, putting all kinds of protection against it and trying to do it. But what you give to God will always multiply. I challenge you to test God in that. This is a principle of reaping what you have sown. Jesus fed 5,000 people with 12 baskets of leftovers. What did He do? He multiplied what they gave. A widow's oil was multiplied in 1 Kings chapter 4. I preached that last week, that God began to... What did she do? She began to give. The Bible tells us that the lady and her son, we just read 1 Kings chapter 17, that somehow that was the last meal they had. The man of God came and she said, I'm giving, she gave the last piece of bread away. And guess what? The Bible says that they never ran out of bread. You see, when we honor God in Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, acknowledge Him first, 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 
Not Maybank, not MasterCard, not Visa. Jesus. But pastor, I'm not in church yet. Yes, put it aside. Put it aside because you know that it belongs to God. And God is very clear about that. See, what does tithing do? Belakai chapter 3, 10, we read it. What does it say? I will open the windows of heaven to a point that you cannot even receive that blessing. That's a promise. You see, no matter how generous you are, give, it'll come back to you. Give, it'll come back. It's not even a question, can God give it back to you? He's going to give it back to you. He just wants to see if you will trust Him. He just wants to see if you will take a step of faith. He just wants to see if you would step out in faith and say, I am willing to do this, God. I'm willing to part with it. And the Bible says, when you sow, you always reap. So the question then, this woman sowed two mites because that was all she had. That's all she had. And I'm not telling you to give your all. That's not what I'm preaching this for. I'm not even going to take an offering. Don't worry. I just read this passage yesterday and I felt God deal with me to preach on it. I'm asking you tonight, what's your two mites? In what you're giving, does it require you to have faith? Does it require you to step out in faith? Does it require you to trust God? There are three things you have to bear in mind from this passage. God shows us. It seems that God never sees as man sees. This passage shows us that God never sees as man sees. God sees only the rich. Sorry, the people only see the rich and the wealthy. But God saw the poor. God saw the generosity of the one who could only give that much. That is the blessing of the God we serve. He doesn't see as man sees. Secondly, God's evaluation is different from men. God doesn't evaluate a person's giving the same way that men evaluate. Wow, you gave so much. No, God looks at it as, have you been generous? Are you simply doing this for show? God evaluates. Finally, as we understand, God commands giving in faith. Beloved, I'm preaching this because I believe tonight in what the widow saw. I believe that God wants to see and look upon His people, those who would honour Him, those who would generously give, those who would give Him with, with willingness to trust Him. And I think God is looking for that. And if you and I can show God that He can trust us, because we're willing to give it away. There's no reason why God cannot bless us. You know how many times I've put God in that spot? I tell my wife sometimes, let's give it all away. Let's have some fun. And I can tell you, beloved, I've done it again and again. My wife is here. She'll tell you how many times we've given. given I've given finances away to my mother church. To pastor from our personal account, my own. Said, Pastor, we just want to be a blessing. 
I can tell you, it's the joyous life you can live because God just keeps pouring back in, pouring back in, pouring back in, pouring back in. That's my question to you tonight. Are you pleasing God with your giving? Can I ask you that question? Are you pleasing? That is the only question you need to answer tonight. Yeah, yeah, God is pleased with my gift. Praise God for that. Then that's good. But I'm telling you, there's a life. I was reminded of a story, Pastor Roman Guterres, who began to challenge his church that they need to take a pledge as they are in need of getting a building. And uh, what happened is, as they were pulling the pledge, God began to deal with him to give everything they've put aside in savings. They had money that was set aside to buy a home. And so what they decided, they said, you know what, we have already put money aside. Uh, they want to buy a home. They want to be able to buy some new appliances. They want to be able to uh, purchase some new furnitures and all of that. And so somehow they had the money that they have been saving and keeping aside to do that. When he challenged the pledge, God spoke to him from the pulpit and God said, I want you to give everything you've saved. And this man, like any good husband, called his wife and asked her. I meant that as a joke, you know. <laughs> called his wife and asked her, God's dealing with me to give it all. To give it all. A month goes by and they see a house. And the house that they see or they saw, was the perfect house that the wife has always wanted. The patio and the inside, the windows, the porch and everything, you know, exactly as she's always wanted it. The only problem is they had no money. The house was there, but they had no money. And to their surprise, that very same week, the owner called them up and said, I don't know why I'm doing this. I want you to take the house. You don't have to pay me a down payment. I'm going to buy all of the furnitures and the appliance and I'm going to furnish the house. And you can move in and you can start paying the mortgage after you've moved in. That money that they had given away for down payment, for furnishing, and for appliances was the exact amount that God gave them in return. How does things, how does something like that work? There's a God in heaven who sits down and watches. I'm pleased with what you gave. I'm pleased. I am pleased. That's why, beloved, don't think we're being legalistic when we challenge you to be involved in the service and to participate in giving. Why do I use the word participate? Because just as we are here in service, one of the things God always has taught me is that I must learn 
to be involved in this because that's a worship to God. How I give, what I give will determine how open my heart is to God because it really comes down to the heart. And I'm just challenging you tonight. Ask yourself, have I been giving God what pleases Him? Has my amount, my heart, and if again, like I said, I'm not here to pull an offering. I'm not here to do that tonight. I'm not here to even tell you, you know, give more. I'm telling you to check your heart. That's all. Has my offering been pleasing to God? I want you to bow your heads with me.